to the glory in our stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with William Joseph Wade. This is episode 42 of The Glory in Our Stories. Today we are speaking with uh, Mr. William Wade. Um, he is a actor. Yeah. <laughs> hello, hello. Um, first of all, man, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you. you're going to be busy for the next year or so. Yeah, hopefully. And um, I know you're touring now. What's the name of the play again? Oh, La Boy. And um, in a nutshell, what's the play about? Give, give, uh, it's about, there's like four friends that live together and then you have uh, two other main characters called Mazetta and um, Mimi but the four guy friends there's Rodolfo um, Marcello Chenard and Kalina Kalina is the I want to say the poet yes no Kalina is the philosopher there it is um, Chenard is the musician Rodolfo is the poet and Marcello is the painter Okay. And they're just in this time. I think it's stated dated in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, they're starving artists, basically. Yeah. And they're just fiending to get by and still keep with their craft or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, Musetta, she's kind of a she's a, a harlot, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I think Mimi, she was just a seamstress, and just it's kind of like. Um, kind of like college you know just getting by and everything I got that feel yeah from that yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a beautiful story because how it just inter- intertwines with Lizette and Rodolfo and then how that relationship becomes so uh, meaningful for all of them mm-hmm. you know because at first you know they didn't have anything and then as soon as she came in it was just like the family was complete and so they started started off all wonderful and everything and then life just hits you you yeah. know and it just shows how you can come back from something that's like as a family sometimes you know uh, it's funny you um that concept reminds me of, of friends yeah and i love that show mm-hmm. and a lot of every time i mention it to somebody I'm like friends who watches that yeah. <laughs> and i say man it's it's the reason why it's such a good uh, concept is because each role you got you got Joey, Chandler, or Monica, or, or Phoebe, mm-hmm. you can relate to somebody. Yeah, either as a family member or a friend. Mm-hmm. And this show lasts for ten seasons, but you see the progression. Yeah. But each relationship within the the group it affects everyone, mm-hmm. uh, especially with like uh, Monica and, and Chandler, um, them not being able to have kids, uh, but finally deciding to adopt. Yeah. And Phoebe having three kids for her brother. Like, who does that, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it's just having that. to And to witness that, because you see the couple. And I'm sorry for talking on this, because I'm just really interested. Yeah. Eventually, I'm going to get to the <laughs> questions. But it's funny how to see their the relationship progress through the four acts. Mm-hmm. And to see it, it turn out the way that it did. I, I kid you not, man. I was I almost cried because yeah. it was hey, did I, a job, man. Because <laughs> I was like, I I really felt like that 
the way that it the way that it happened, I was like, wow, this. I just it hit home. Yeah, you know, it really hit home. So uh, you guys did an awesome job. We appreciate you, um, especially you, and yeah. playing your uh, <laughs> comedic role yeah. that you did. And um, yeah, I was that was the first play like that that I've been to. Mm-hmm. Um, I've maybe been to a few in the in the past, but nothing as of higher quality than yeah. that. And um, I, I really really enjoyed it. We have a really enjoyed it, man. Yeah. Uh, but leading up to that, I guess I start with my first question. Uh, so where where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, Detroit. Detroit. Yes, sir. Um, we kind of moved around a lot because my mom was in the military. Um, mm-hmm. There was we lived in Stahalen and then uh, Seven Mile and Southfield. Yeah. For a minute. Um, but yeah, love it. <laughs> Loved it. I haven't been there in a while. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you, uh, so you, you grew up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start migrating elsewhere? Did you all live in separate, in several places uh, yeah, uh, after we, that? After Detroit, we moved to Rochester, and that was, uh, I think, when I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and we stayed there for maybe, maybe three or four years, because, no, actually, probably more, because from seventh grade, I went to, uh, Ruther, and then I went to um, West Middle School for mm-hmm. eighth grade, and once I did go to high school there for like one year, and then mm-hmm. after that we moved to Arizona. Oh, nice! Yeah, uh, mom married a DJ over there, so he and he had work. Oh, and there was really up. yeah, there wasn't really nothing popping in Michigan for him, so we went to uh, good old Peoria, and that man, that was a beautiful state, beautiful <laughs> city, right? Yeah. Uh, Cold at night for sure, but <laughs> man, when that morning hit, see that peach guy, it was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, but then that didn't really pan out. He didn't pan out for her, so we had to find some uh, find somewhere in. And I think she had a friend mm-hmm. that uh, was giving us some shelter or whatever. And yeah. We ended up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was just you all two. It was my mom um, and my second older sister at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest sister, Lauren, she was uh, she was living in Virginia at the time. My second oldest sister, Christina, um, she was with us. Uh, and then I want to say after maybe three or four years, Lauren actually moved to Tuscaloosa with us. Oh, and cool. She stayed with us, and um, I think that was for about maybe three, or, three or four years mm-hmm. until I actually like transferred up to Florence for uh, to go to college at UNA. Yeah. So I wasn't being the, uh, not just the youngest, but being the only, <laughs> predominantly the only male, I yeah, guess. Yeah, um, it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I didn't have a dad in my life at the time, mm-hmm. so I, I knew, you know, I had to be the man of the house, and they, that, they would always tell me that, but being the youngest is kind of hard, because, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They, they spoiled the crap out of me, you know? Yeah. Um, love them to death. Um, but, I mean, hey, I'll, I'll go for back. I, for any of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, one instant where uh, we were in this apartment and I had a good friend of mine, Joseph Felder. He, uh, he, he had like a lot of cousins or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this one cousin who tried to holler at one of my sisters, you know, yeah. and being a man around women, I just grew up like respecting women and how to treat yeah. them and everything. So, come my sister's wrong, I got to correct it, you know. <laughs> so, he started catcalling them and everything. And wow. Being, uh, how old was I? Oh, man, how old was I? I want to say maybe 11. Mm-hmm. I want to say 11. 
um, I tried baseball at the time, so I had this little black uh, series of a bat or whatever. Mm-hmm. I go and grab that, and I chase him down the stairs and <laughs> into this basement that we had. And it took it took him, it took Joseph and his brothers to try to you know take the bat from me and try not to hit him. Yeah. Uh, and but all the while I was cursing, <laughs> being eleven, and I saw my mom heard you know me cussing, and I got I as soon as we went uh, went home or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, she grabbed me and started wailing. You know, <laughs> don't you be cussing, don't you be doing this in front of people or you know there's other people living you being disrespectful or whatever. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm helping out. I'm like, what? looking over my looking out for my sisters or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love them. Uh, that's mainly how it goes. Like, I'm, I'm the, I guess I would say I'm the co- comedian of the family. Mm. Uh, Lauren, she was, uh, she was the adult, of course, the, the uh, extra parent. Mm. And uh, Christina, she was kind of the glue. Yeah. The quiet one. Um, but she, she did kind of help, help, help us together or whatever mm-hmm. um, and my mom of course just the iron rod backbone yeah. of the family Man. doing anything she can to put food on the table and stuff so, so that comedic trait mm-hmm. did that naturally come or did you pick that up from ah. anybody in the family I think I probably picked it up from my uncle John he's the youngest um, on my mom's side Mm-hmm. He, he was the baby boy too, and I just kind of saw him, and uh, we would play video games all the time. And he was he was kind of charismatic, but uh, I think I mainly got it from uh, Jim Carrey, really, and how he acted. Wow. Yeah, he was a he's a great inspiration for me. Just how he goes about his roles and his facial expressions, and mm-hmm. just how he could make people laugh like no other. <laughs> I wanted that, you know. Yeah, it was just goofy. He uh. I'm pretty sure you heard of it. You remember he did he did one of his he did a routine where all he did was make faces <laughs> and he didn't say anything and he was just getting the reaction mm-hmm. from the crowd. He didn't he did like he did a, a Clint, Inns, Clint Eastwood um, all um, oh, what's his name? Oh my goodness, Jack Nicholson like all the classics. Yeah. Nice and he just he killed it mm-hmm. and he was like. I'm, I'm really enjoying of course he's been doing stuff like that since he was younger yeah uh, but he's he's uh, he's one of my favorites as well man and I like the fact that over the last maybe year or two I didn't know this his, uh, I think it was his wife or his girlfriend mm-hmm. passed away and, yeah. and I, I forgot how was one of them. but either she committed suicide or something happened and he just a lot of people thought that he went crazy because yeah. he started painting more. He let his beard grow. You didn't see him much mm-hmm. on television if on the did, public it was eye. Kind of like out of this world, yeah. Kind of conversations that he was having. <laughs> Man, you like everybody's like, "What's wrong with him?" And I'm yeah. like, "But he's one of the most. He's one of the best comedic geniuses I've ever seen, mm-hmm. especially in our lifetime." And um, him, Robin Williams, yeah, and like sure. these cats were like, what they were doing, they were doing at the spur of the moment, and it wasn't anything scripted. Mm-hmm. Like you said, so I can understand that as well. Um, your uncle John was mm-hmm. he like more than what you deem him as a as a more like a father figure in your life, or was uh, it just that role? No, not really. Uh, sadly, because just there was there was a lot of problems in the family, so I was yeah. kind of we would be there for functions and then not really. And yeah. So uh, I just. 
saw it and just being young, you know, he seemed like he had everything. So, yeah. And I would just, I would, I liked his charisma. Mm-hmm. And that's what just uh, drew me to him. Yeah. I still love him and everything, of course. And he was there for me, but uh, not really for a father figure. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it was hard for sure because my mom would try to uh, bring different guys to try to fill in that role. But, mm-hmm. you know... <laughs> How close my family, like me, my mom, and my sisters were. We would be like, my, me and my sisters rather, be like, nah, we ain't feeling him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this one time. Uh, it was this guy, uh, the, the DJ actually. Uh-huh. Uh He got some money and everything, and he takes me out, I guess, to you know have a powwow. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was uh, 13 at the time. Um, I think we went to a mall, and he was trying to just buy this watch. Yeah. And I'm walking and looking at him like, "Hey, bro, can we get some food for the house?" Like, <laughs> but, no, you gotta go. <laughs> you ain't for this, you know. Wow. Um, and it's funny that you're uh, aware of this at yeah, such a young age. Right? Yeah. Like, definitely for my um, and I have to uh, thank my grandma Esther too. She's um, my mom would drop us off at her house because she was the mother of the, um, the guy that I was named after, mm-hmm. my stepdad. And he and my mom divorced, I, I would say, when I was five or six. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when my mom had to go overseas, once she was in the Army, um, she would take us to Grandma Esther's. And I, I didn't know any better, and I just was a bad but with her, you know, didn't like, she ain't my grandma or whatever. I don't know what my deal was, but she was she was teaching my sisters yeah. a lot, and they they learned a lot from her. And then we just, as a family, we knew that family was everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how much we have, as long as we have the love within us, you know, mm-hmm. we can go anywhere, we can do anything, you yeah. know. And so materialistic things is out the window. Of course, me in my mind, like I want all the toys, I want all the games, you know. <laughs> but I still understood, like yo. They got my back. I got their back. You know. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think that's where that came from because we would be scrounging for whatever we could to put food on the table. You know, mm-hmm. to make sure everything was all right for mine. Make sure she didn't feel like, you know, uh, she felt less of a parent or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, so any, any guy, any man that tried to come in, like he had to reach that level, like yeah. right off the back. And if you ain't there, then you ain't got nothing for us kind of deal you know mm-hmm. um, of course they tried to hit us with the gifts and everything of course I was taking them but like yeah yeah <laughs> I still don't like you <laughs> you forget you know you can do this but you're gonna be out but like tomorrow probably you know <laughs> uh, but yeah I think that's where that came from yeah, yeah. wow they um, living with yeah I, man I, we have similar experiences um a, f- a man never entered into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, it was if mom was dating anyone, we never really saw him. Um, it would have felt very foreign for somebody to come in because we've heard, like for me, when I was born, dad yeah. was he was gone. I guess the divorce was final by the time I came in. So he was when I met him later, or I remember seeing him, I guess. It was so weird because I'm like I've heard your voice over the phone, mm-hmm. but to see put your face to a voice and to hear you speak to me the way that you are as yeah. a parent, I'm like, who are you? Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was very 
uh, objective. Yeah. And um, but growing up in that in that household as the youngest, which is funny, in hindsight, everything mom did makes sense. Because yeah. I thought this is the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, something needs to be paid, we go to the pawn shop. You got to pawn something and use, utilize that money. Yeah. If something else is of high importance, we can't have cable. Um, well, it was one time, never forget, mm-hmm. mom dropped a dollar on the ground at Walmart. This is back when bread was like 98 cents. Mm-hmm. And a car parked, stopped, looked on the ground, picked up the dollar. Mom was like, no, no, we... She, so she said, oh, that's our dollar. So she went over there and knocked on the door, and they just drove off. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like that. And I'm wow. like, wow, I didn't <laughs> know it was that bad, yeah. you know? Uh, but like you said, paying attention to the fact that it's just you and your family, and all you're trying to do is primarily survive. Mm-hmm. And when you get those extra things, as a child, you're like, it's like I, I will accept it. Yeah. But in, in, for your, in your case, you mm-hmm. were more aware of your circumstances and the environment and what came with that mm-hmm. and also you were more aware of the responsibility that your mom not only was fulfilling but yeah. having to take um, consider the fact that she primarily had to do most of this by herself like mm-hmm. she at the end of the day like it, I have to take care of my kids yeah. and it's sad that as children, we at one point we just see our parents as providers. Yeah, man. I mean, like yeah. honestly, there was. I mean, there was a stint where I didn't care about that, and like looking back on it now, it sucks, you know. Yeah. Because like, at one point, I didn't realize that uh, she wasn't eating. Oh wow! Um, um, I would see like my plate full mm-hmm. and I, I remember like asking like did you eat mine she, she'd say yeah she didn't eat that day Dang. you know um, and then cause I mean spoiled for sure because like my sisters had to clean her she, my mom made them clean my room when I couldn't do it right or whatever <laughs> and stuff like that so like I yeah. wasn't like the perfect child mm-hmm. uh, stuff did go over my head but like if there was something that came into the family on a connection base, that's yeah. when the like the the switch hit. Like, okay, I need to pay attention to this, you yeah. know, because well, like the closest that we had, we could we couldn't let that we couldn't let anything, you know, separate that. Mm-hmm. So you had to come correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would be uh, naive about stuff like that, like my, not seeing my mom eating and that. That tore me up because uh, it took. I was 22 when she kind of told me the background of a lot of stuff that was going on. You know, mm-hmm. um, like the dudes that she was with, half of them were beating her, oh, but, wow. but she took it because she was a single mom. You know, mm-hmm. she was a single parent, and she had to put food on the table. And hearing that at 22. And looking at these dudes, looking these dudes in the faces, and all, and they like putting a smile on, you know, mm. that was like, okay, I need to find them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need the addresses right now. <laughs> wow. You know? But it's 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 wonderful what parents will do for you, you know. And taking that advantage, like I can't, 
I would definitely slap myself, <laughs> you know, if I could go back in time because she went through a lot and, and I definitely appreciate it. Like, and why I love her so much and just respect her is because she's had so many failures, you mm -hmm. know, and such, I guess she, she sees us as her big successes, you know, but where she, where she is now is just light years difference between where she was before, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really respect her for that because I've learned what not to do, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I don't see her as a bad parent or, like, the worst or anything because kids that do have the so-called good parents, you know, they don't understand certain things to do in life, mm -hmm. you know? But if you want, when you fail, you know, you have to pick yourself back up. And that's what my mom did every single time. Yeah. And I hold that value of hers so dearly because... Mm -hmm. Uh, when that moment happens for me, I know I'll know what to do because I, I saw her struggle, you know? Yeah. Um, that's just the, the beauty within, you know, that all that pain, but the struggle helps you grow. You yeah. Know? And that's all. I love that word because, like, without it, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, you can have so much success. You, uh, yeah, you can have so much success, but if you never fail, you really, you're really not living, you know? You're really not enjoying what you're doing to me yeah. because you, you haven't you didn't have to fight for it you know it was kind of just given to you or you become very arrogant about it you know mm -hmm. but once you have to struggle for something you understand what you're fighting for you know and you're willing to fight harder for it and then you um, I don't know you just become a better person you know? yeah but, so I can I can only imagine how excited you are <laughs> by how excited she was um, learning about you getting the part that you have now. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> man. Man, yeah. It was, uh, opera was not my first choice. That's, that's all <laughs> I like. God is good, man. Uh, yeah, my teachers would tell you, uh, it wasn't. Like, I went in thinking, yeah, I'm just a musical theater dude. You know, I want to possibly act on film and everything else, too. But, yeah, my, um, my instructor sent me a link, uh, the audition because you and A had did it, had did uh, La um, or performed rather, uh, the year after I auditioned in the spring. Mm -hmm. So I knew the show well, thankfully, uh, but it was rough when I first started <laughs> for sure. But uh, and it was pretty awesome as an undergraduate level that we performed La Boheme in Italian, like full on, you know. Mm. But um, yeah, when she sent me that link, I was like, you know what? God, let's do it. Leave of faith. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy and scary as mess because, like, I didn't, I don't see myself, you know, as an opera singer, you know. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've been classically trained, but that wasn't, I didn't feel like that was my strongest suit. And that was my first professional gig. Yeah. And so it was, uh, it was pretty dope. <laughs> um, she was happy. I mean, of course, I, she, she lives in Louisiana now, my mom. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to see, like, her initial reaction of her jumping up and down and screaming or anything. But <laughs> she was really proud. And she, she hasn't yet stopped saying that she has and posting stuff on Facebook all the time, you know. She yeah. even um, switched her Facebook page now to Theater Mom or something like that. But, <laughs> yeah, we were pretty stoked. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was... That was... Uh, 
watching, experiencing the play was awesome, but seeing her there and um, your stepdad mm -hmm. and, you know, seeing the gift that she presented to you and seeing how proud she was, yeah. you know, and one thing that Adrian and I, and, uh, as well as everybody else, were learning that when, uh, when your parent actually supports what you do, it goes a long way, you know, yeah. from the smallest things uh, to actually attending to be a champion what mm -hmm. you're doing and like it, it it means a great deal it, it does man like and i have so many friends that's in the same that that, that are acting you know yeah. and some of their parents you know really aren't with it like okay yeah i see you that, that's cool but you need a stable job though you need to bring yeah. some money in you know mm -hmm. and of course yes we do because how can we get to the auditions you know how can we uh, have food to eat while we're waiting, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but for this craft, man, you you have to go crazy for it, yeah. you know, because there's such a there's such an awesome feeling and achievement after after the goal. Yeah. And that, like, as soon as you do it once, you'll be hooked, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't like, I think I've been, uh, of course, in a lot of community shows, but it wasn't until, um, I think, my 10th show that I did that I realized, yeah, this is what I want to do. And it's not for the fame. It's not just for the spotlights so people can see me. Like, I'm actually making a difference in people's lives. Yeah. You know? And knowing that fact, knowing that you can physically and mentally alter somebody's actions from being on stage, performing, like, doing, uh, having a, having an imagination like that, you know? Like, we're doing, yeah. um, what is it called? Lord of Mercy. Uh, I can't think of it, but <laughs> we're just acting. We're showing our butts on stage, yeah. you know? And we can bring people to tears, like you said, you almost did. Yeah. You know, so to have that kind of impact on somebody. That's the reason why it's so worth it to be in this field mm -hmm. for those that are like really about it. You yeah. know, of course, they, you know, some are for the money and the money is good and once you get when you get to that kind of caliber, but uh, having my mom behind backing me means the world to me and I can and I just have to, you know, um, help some of my friends a lot when they're down because he, their parents are like you need that stability you need that stability you know but yeah. if it's what you love doing go for it you know mm -hmm. but if it doesn't pan out find something else you know yeah. but the thing about theater and just the arts in general it's not just one job like you learn multiple jobs yeah. that you that can help you like have a stable job you know Mm -hmm. So being in it, you like you get other jobs, you learn other jobs, you develop the uh, skill to communicate with a lot of different kind of people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I don't know. I mean, I definitely thank my mom so much because I don't know if I would have made it like I did um, without her, yeah. without God providing me a woman like her. You know, um, so it, it's yeah, it, it means the world to me that she's support, so supportive. I remember it's funny because I used to play baseball mm -hmm. when I was younger. Yeah, you do. Yeah, no and position. Uh, it was uh, left field, 
sometimes center mm-hmm. and picture. I was nice. never bold enough to play first base. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't believe I didn't trust myself well enough. Yeah. Uh, I may have played first first place like one inning out of my entire baseball little league career. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my uh, coach wanted me to be a pitcher because I was a tall guy and thought I had a strong arm yeah. or something. Um, but it's funny. I didn't. I never wanted mom to attend my baseball games. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because I I didn't want people thinking I was a mama's boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, <laughs> man. And I thought back and I said that was so selfish of me. Yeah. But I was a kid, and you know I gave myself the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But she came to one of my games one time because I asked her to. But my sisters came. Mm-hmm. I was. I'd rather have my <laughs> sisters come than my mom. Um, but now, I realized that that was, um, she understood, but I can only imagine how that made her feel. I never mm-hmm. considered that until I got older. Um, but she, she supported me, you know, she, she, cause I really enjoyed it. I, I loved it, but I never forget the day she was about to take me to practice and I cried cause I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. That's why I just, I just fell out of love with it. And uh, she was upset with me yeah. because she was like, well, number one, I'm paying for this. Number two, you ain't going to just quit. I'm right. like, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. She's like, well, all right. But as a writer, she's always supported me. Mm-hmm. And um, that, like you said, it, that does something to you. And reflecting on, you look at this one woman, the woman that raised you, the woman mm-hmm. that is responsible uh, for the majority of your entire majority of your life and to see God work through them to get to you but all this time like how can you do this yeah. like after everything that you've done everything you experienced you are willing to sacrifice everything for me and that it humbles you yeah. it humbles you a lot Man, yeah. <laughs> it humbles you a lot um, but in reference to being challenged I guess mm-hmm. I ask you this next question how has acting challenged you not just as an individual, right. but as an actor. Ooh. To listen. Yeah. That was like the pinnacle of my acting. That one word that uh, Mr. David, David Hope sorry, mm-hmm. told me. Um, he told me to listen. Listen to the words. Listen to the theme. Um, listen to your surroundings. Listen to what your code mm-hmm. uh Actors are saying what their lines are, what the music is saying, why is it saying it, you know? And as an actor, like, you get uh, overwhelmed, or not not overwhelmed, but, like, you get a rush of, like, yeah, I want to do this, I want to I be the best, you know? Yeah. And then you, you start, and you're, like, you're just going 90 miles a minute through your lines, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're not taking, like, a step back to realize what you're actually saying because you want to get through them. Being on stage is, is very vulnerable, so you want to get off yeah. as quick as you can, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as you, as soon as I started listening, man, it just, it opened my mind. It helped me actually live in the shows, you know, not, mm-hmm. to, where, not to the point where, you know, I'm just method acting but yeah. like I'm, I'm I'm in it you know I am invested in it you know I, like there is a message and a story here that needs to get out so yeah 
I want to make sure that the audience sees that, you know, not, um, I want them to see the character rather than somebody acting as the character kind of deal, you know, and that's what him saying, listen, help me do, you know, as an actor, and of course, just as a person, you just got to listen to people, you know, yeah. not even when they're talking, just listen to their body language, you know, read and just understand that you're not the only one up there, you know, I'm not the only one in the world, you know, yeah. I'm, yes, I have my opinions, but those are my opinions, mm-hmm. you know, that's not, that's not going to be everybody else's, and I just, to fully function, you have to be able to listen and also, and also understand, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so him telling me that helped me out a lot. And then as soon as that happened, I went, um, I was with the Browns at UNA, and they helped, my, helped me with my confidence, my look on things, and my direction and everything else. So, like, and it was, it's just awesome how God placed every important piece at a time for where I was at the moment, you know, when I needed them the most. Um, and, yeah, so listen, it's like the pinnacle of it. Do you feel at home on the stage? Yes, for sure. More, <laughs> more than I do at my own home. Because <laughs> uh, it's just, I don't know, man. Uh, it's an escape for sure. Mm-hmm. But, like, the best thing about it is just, like, how you can have so many different people on stage with different opinions, different personalities, uh, different backgrounds. Yeah. And they're all in it for this one goal, to get this show done, to get the message out, whatever message it is, to put, to put people in the seats, to have those people enjoy what we're doing, you know, and... To see that kind of camaraderie come together, that basically is a home. Yeah. You know? It might be make-believe, but mm-hmm. it's still a home. And, um, and like, the, the best thing about it is, you know, just, I, I feel like I have been called for it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just awesome to see. But it's just awesome when somebody comes up to you and you can see it in their eyes and all they say is thank you. Yeah. You know? that's why it feels at home because like I know how it feels to be hurt you know I know I've seen it felt it I don't like it you yeah. know <laughs> I don't want other people to go through it I don't want other people to like it or to have to go through it mm-hmm. and um and so each and every time I step on stage that's my goal to make sure that somebody comes out of this comes out of whatever theater I'm in changed yeah. and hopefully that this amount of time, I was able to put a smile on their face, or help them open, have an open mind, and hopefully help them to alter their actions and personality for the better. You know, um, so I like I could I could be on there twenty four seven. You know, yeah. of course, the body, my body won't let me, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why it feels at home. It's just it's just so awesome. I highly agree. There is something awesome and magnificent in being in your natural element. That's how I feel myself when I'm on stage and when I'm presenting my work to an audience. My goal is to 
make sure that way if there's anything that's on your shoulders that you can relieve, you can relieve yourself and you can release it. And that's what I want to offer is a sense of relief. And I totally agree with Will on this and taking your craft seriously. You know, being in any and I, and I mean, he comes off as like a method method actor, somebody that really digs into his roles. And as a as a as a observer, I highly appreciate that because you pull me in as an audience member. I told him, man, the last the performance that I saw, I cried <laughs> because just the storyline was so touching. So continue to listen in. This is episode 42 of the Glory in Our Stories with William Joseph Wade. How, what, it, what it does for the cast and for the audience. You see so many lives changed and it's just beautiful to see. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like um, it's, a, it's a responsibility. Mm. And, for sure. <laughs> and it's a it's a good burden. Yeah. It's a good burden. And being up there and being in the midst of your craft, I know if I know when you're doing what you do and you're like, yo, I because I know some people can do, you know, take a certain take their art and not take it as seriously as other people. Yeah. And then they look at those people as if, oh no, you're doing too much or you're too too much invested. Right. But when you do consider the bigger picture and you consider like like scripts watching movies over the last 10 years mm-hmm. I've formed a greater appreciation for good script writing yes like really good script writing and you can you can see it mm-hmm. you can hear it you can feel it you can experience it mm-hmm. and I'm like yo that was whoever wrote that yeah <laughs> like it was man <laughs> it, it moves you man yeah, it, it moves you it moves you and it can be one line uh, I remember um, I think it was American Beauty you ever seen that I can be, I don't think so. Um, Who's in that? Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Oh man. Yes, I think I have. It's been so long. Oh man, that was a scene in there where he's he's changing. Like <laughs> he's finally. That's when he's eating the the banana hole, right? I probably is. I haven't seen it in a minute, but it's just that so. it's that one scene that stuck out. His yeah. wife is just talking, talk, talk, talking. They were at the dinner table. He 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 stands up, takes his plate, mm-hmm. and just throws it against the wall and I guess and she looks at him like he says I'm talking and he sits down and like she just <laughs> like scribbles <laughs> up <laughs> and I love that because throughout up, up the entire movie up yeah. to that point he didn't talk much you didn't hear much from him mm-hmm. but he got fed up right. and it was just that silence how strong that was and fast forward and I see more films and I see actors who are as dedicated as you, if not more, and they've fully engulfed mm-hmm. themselves in the role. And that is, I didn't know what method acting was. Oh, I didn't know it existed. I didn't know that's what it was labeled as. Yeah. But going back and seeing all of the the, uh, the iconic actors, mm-hmm. I said, that's what they were doing. And sure. um, when you become the character opposed to you just being the actor, like it's... It's 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 such an awesome thing to see. We appreciate you, man. It's, it's such an awesome thing, man. It it's surreal. <laughs> <laughs> like when you, and it's not to boast or be cocky, but like when you know you're in it. Yeah. It's ah. It's it just you just feel like you're Superman. Like that that can touch <laughs> you right now, you know. And yeah. it's weird because like it's uh, opening nights are the worst 
for me because like I love it so much. So my butterflies get to going and going. And so thankfully, I've done a lot now to where as soon as I step on the stage, it's gone. You know, mm, and it's yeah. just poof, let's go. Yeah. And like once you get on that ride, man, it's just like here we go. <laughs> you gotta have like inner thoughts with yourself. Like yeah, get it, boy. Get it. Yeah, you doing that? You doing that thing? Yeah. But uh, it's fun. What's your uh? You have a regiment before every every time you go on stage. You have a routine. Oh that you I, yeah, I jump up and down. I get loose. I have Eminem or DMX going to my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm usually clowning yeah. just to you know keep my spirit up and keep the castmates' spirit up. Definitely. Um, but I mean, sometimes with a even if it's a serious play, well, I probably shouldn't. Uh, somebody might clock me. Uh, one of these days if I'm just goofing <laughs> off just like I mean I, I guess I teeter towards method acting but I yeah. don't at the same time because mm-hmm. I can just easily turn it off and turn it back on because mm-hmm. like when I'm doing my thing like yo okay it's serious you yeah. know? but even beforehand I'm, I'm not trying to get too uh, serious with it because like you, you, some people around you kind of uh they um, kind of it's just awkward sometimes you yeah. know to be that invested and that far gone you can't even have a conversation when when you know yeah. off stage so I, I try not to be that kind of person but man yeah I, I'm usually either listening to uh, Lose Yourself um, or Friday's Anthem for some reason it's just hype <laughs> like <laughs> They, they just be getting me hyped. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, how did I put it one time? Uh, I, I think I act like Eminem and I speak like I'm DMX is what, is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Because uh, they just, how they just go about their crafts yeah. is how I feel. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't agree with some of the stuff they do, but, yeah. you know, but uh, nobody's perfect. But, like, how hard they go and how real they are, like that's yeah. what I make sure that that's what I'm doing for my acting, even though you know it's it is acting and it's not really real, but mm-hmm. I need to make it real for the audience. Yeah. You know? So, and those two are just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Eminem himself, I I have a high appreciation for him. He's one of the yeah uh, same <laughs> the best uh, entertainers, the mm-hmm. most dedicated. Um, I know a lot of hip hop enthusiasts. Hip hop enthused, yeah. Um, they uh, they would place him in that top five, if not top ten. Mm-hmm. But most people take place him in top five for his uh, lyricism and just his his ability just to go hard every single time. Yeah. And you hear it, you mm-hmm. know, you can you can hear it in the in the music. And um, yeah, I I sometimes. I have to listen to certain things before I go on stage because I realize that what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say may be the answer to somebody's question. Mm-hmm. And it may help someone get to where they need to be or they find themselves between the biggest decision or the best decision they ever made and where they where that's over here and over where they are now. They are in the repercussion stage of a decision they made before. Right. And they think, how can I get over there when mm-hmm. I'm here? And 
somebody's performance such as your own could answer that for them or it can remind them that what you're going through is okay mm -hmm. it's okay to feel this way yeah. um, and having to experience love you know and watching that play and mm -hmm. singing that and to lose somebody oh I hope I'm not giving away the play anyway um, <laughs> just to be to, to feel that you know yeah. what he felt oh man I just, it just and to have and there's there's meaning behind everything. It's just the the, the name Mimi. Like it just it's a nickname, mm -hmm. but it's a sound of endearment. And it's just to see them the affection that he had for her and right. the, the meet cute that they had um when he when he was looking for the key. Like that was <laughs> I was like, yo, that's yeah. that's a nice move. He did man. Yeah. Shout out to Pedro. You did your thing, boy. Bro I was like, yo, that was smooth. Yeah. That was smooth. Um but I guess I ask you, so far, what's been the most challenging thing that you had to experience? Ah, most challenging. Mm. Man. Staying true to who I am. Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm... My mother's son, uh, you know, she's a hopeless romantic. Yeah. She's full of love. You know, she shows her heart. But as soon as you show any kind of uh, stain or harm, you know, she's ready to fight you, you know. <laughs> but she's quick to open it back up again. Yeah. Um, so I just, I love a lot. And uh, I get hurt by it a lot, misunderstood a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just trying to find the common ground uh, the balance of not being naive and staying true to who you are because yeah. I mean in society's world that's kind of those aren't really good traits for a man so to speak you yeah. know and um, but like I just said being comfortable with myself is very challenging because I have to I definitely have to do that if I want to be on the stage yeah you know because um, the audience can see that. The audience mm -hmm. can see it when you're insecure about your body or how you talk or how, um, even how you walk, you yeah. know? Um, and so that's definitely being who I, uh, staying true to who I am is, has been challenging because I don't, um, sometimes, you know, I have been typecast before, mm -hmm. um, how does that feel? Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I know I could do more, yeah. you know? But, like, then again, looking at looking back on it, it's, I'm not going to let that define me, though. Yeah. You know? Because I know, like, some one of my teachers told me, like, it, it will happen, mm -hmm. but know that it's not the end, you know? And knowing that I can do more. It doesn't offend me, you know, but still got to get money kind of deal, yeah. you know. So <laughs> you just got to kind of have that mindset of, okay, you can do this, but hey, we ain't going to break me, you know, because yeah. I know I can, I can do better. Because you, you could see in some, uh, and it's not to call out or, uh, again, boast or anything, but, like, you can see when somebody has a type character type mm -hmm. deal and, you know, they've just, yeah, that's my life. I, I'm, I'm going to go with it, whatever. I'm going to get money. Yeah. Kind of deal, you know, 
and they just kind of act the same or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, that's just not me. You know, I gotta. I know I have a broad horizon, and I want to make sure because that that'll elevate my acting. That'll elevate more jobs for me. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it does suck because there was like this one freaking show that I wanted to be in this one <laughs> specific character and I got casted as four different other roles which is pretty was pretty dope yeah but like the dude that performed it eh. really <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> good singer yeah but yeah, like yeah. it was a musical um but it was just like you you chose him <laughs> okay that's uh, your name is on the you know on the top I'm yeah. just one of the yeah you know oh, that's okay but uh, I'm just like okay, whatever. Hey. You know? No, because like when you know you can do better, it's just like okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's, there's gonna be more. You know, plenty. There's plenty of people auditioning for other stuff. Yeah. So I, I never let it get me down. But I mean, it it doesn't. It never gets old, kind of deal. But uh, I don't know. And it, it, it's also good to know that you know it's not really you it's just what the directors are looking for mm-hmm. and I have to keep that ahead of me all the time because yet again like knowing who I am I can you can you can get lost in that you know you can be in your head and seeing oh man what did I do wrong what did, like, what, did I sing this note wrong did I did I move here a certain way that was didn't seem like you know it shouldn't be for the character or whatever yeah and it's just no that's not you're not just what they're looking for. You know, that's fine. But when you know <laughs> they yeah. picked the wrong choice, it's just like, bro, <laughs> you should have did better. <laughs> but oh, yeah. it's all good. That's um, I was just thinking about two people actually. Uh, of course, Jim Carrey, because mm-hmm. his entire career has been doing nothing but comedy. Yeah, I mean, he started in comedy, but then he started. He did um, uh, Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. And that was Truman. the Truman Show. Mm-hmm. And then he did, what is it, Internal Sunshine? Yes. It? What is the name of it? Internal Sunshine. Yes. Something. One <laughs> of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, but, but it was it was good. Yeah. It was, was good, good to see him in that light. Mm-hmm. And then he did another movie I haven't seen. Was it, is it 23? Yes, number 23. Number 23. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to see that, but I was hesitant because I didn't know how I would feel seeing Jim Carrey in such a, right. a dark does, role. Right. He does, it's bad because I think I've tried watching that movie five times and I fall asleep on it all the oh, time. Oh man. And like, oh, it's, it's not because it's bad. It's yeah. just like my friends will tell you I'm the worst <laughs> when it comes to watching movies. Put me in a, a room where like it's cold and we're watching the movie, I'm out. Because like, <laughs> that's, that's my home and that's where I guess, I guess I feel comfortable. So it's just like, yeah, I'm relaxing right now. Kind of deal. Yeah. Um, but man, and man, mine was freaking Spanglish. If you have I, Oh yeah, yeah, Bruh, Adam Sandler in that one, man. Yeah. He did his thing, yeah. like, and that was completely different. And like, I, I always tear up with that movie, mm-hmm. you know, because it's this dude full of love and everything, trying to make you know segue with his family and everything, and wife acting weird, and acting like she don't want him. And I think did she have an affair with him? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's just. Uh, actual good dude and mm-hmm. you know people are running over him yeah. and he sees this uh, I forget her name but the maid and she actually treats him she actually sees him you know like, yeah she's not looking through him and to see how 
that relationship um, gelled and how it grew. And I'm like, I'm not a fan of cheating or whatever, yeah. but like, you can't fault, fault the man kind of deal, you know? Yeah. And that movie, it was just, it was beautiful. <coughs> Loved it. Um. Yeah. He, uh, Adam Sandler, he has a, he has a heart. He always shows it in most of his films. Mm-hmm. And you can sense that he's a, he's a good, he's a family man. Yeah. And he gets that down pat. He does. Like, it's a lot of people don't like those movies, but it's just, like, if you watch it, it's just like, dang, that's my family right there. <laughs> like, the, I mean, the plot may, may be a little eh, but, like, that's, that's just real life kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, so. And, um. The other guy was, he's a famous, he always plays the the scary Mexican guy. He has the woman tattooed on his chest. Uh, Trejo. Is that his name? It's Danny Trejo. Uh, forgive me if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Because uh, he always plays a villain. Yeah. Yeah. And Machete, Machete, I think. Yes. Yes, that's him. Danny Trejo. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. But, but he, um, yeah. he, does it, he does it well. Mm-hmm. He does it, but there's certain parts in, like he'll have a, a cameo on a television show or something, mm-hmm. and you see just a small glimpse of what he's capable of doing other than that. Yeah. Just to remind you, I'm not always the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And um, But it works for him, and he's comfortable with that, yeah. but he's comfortable with who he is. Mm-hmm. You made a very profound statement. You said, being comfortable with who I am, and it's funny coming from an actor who plays so many different characters. And I realized that whenever you do anything, if you don't know who you are, all of that will consume you. Yeah. And then, if it's definitely if you're an actor, you have trouble with identity. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm noticing that that's what a lot of entertainers are having trouble with. Because sure. before they enter it, they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So they have to find bits and pieces to create you, something that, yeah. that's you not get, them. Like, you get all the, you get the money, you get yeah. the, you know, the fame and the connections. And that's like, you can definitely lose yourself. And definitely for like it's been it sucks uh sometimes because i get i do get into deep uh depression because mm-hmm. like i'm 25 now and some people have started when they were like 16 on the, like the big film stages yeah. you know making the money and everything and i'm still kind of doing community theater and but i'm glad about it because as soon as like, i know now when i get into that mm-hmm. i know my grounds you yeah. know I have a stable base now. Like, I'm not going to get myself into all of this stuff because, for one, I've seen people, you know, do it yeah. and some of the outcomes, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, now I'm just like, okay, yeah, I know who I am. I know what I'm here to do. Yeah. I'm going to do my job, put my money on the table, and I'm going to go home. You know, <laughs> that's about it. Might have a little press conference here or there. That's yeah. about it. You know, I ain't <laughs> trying to do nothing wild. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it could definitely consume me, man. But, um, who else was it? I forget. It was Danny and who else was it? I was gonna say. These are actors. Yeah. Dang. Nah, I forget. Go ahead. <laughs> um, if you had a choice as far as a genre mm-hmm. to act in, would you? What would it be? Is it? If you had mm. your own decision, like, yeah. is there specific roles in genres that you look for, or uh, any that you prefer, like drama, comedy? Um, I want to say thriller, drama, mm-hmm. loosely. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I love all of them, mm-hmm. and thank, 
uh, thankfully, I was, I was working with uh, Charlton uh, James. Uh, he's a teacher at UNA. Mm -hmm. And um, we did uh, Picasso with Le Pen and Gilles. And Steve Martin, the comedian, he wrote that play. Wow. And so for a while, you know, it was just, you know, being loud and obnoxious with comedy or whatever. But, mm -hmm. like, um, he got us all, he sat us all down, not sat us all down, but he did, like, this exercise because uh, we, we just couldn't get the right rhythm for the comedy down. Definitely with Steve Martin, because like that dude's a genius. Yeah. Even though like it's Steve Martin, like you, you, I, I didn't know he was that good. Yeah. Like, I didn't know he was a writer at this point. Um, but like he is so brilliant in how he writes his shows and the comedic timing. You, you just have to be on time with it. Like you have to be on point with it. Mm -hmm. And he could he could see that in us. Like we just weren't getting it. And this was like. I would say three weeks out from the show, from opening night. And so he had all of us standing in our spots where we were mm -hmm. in the bar. And um, he had us think of what Steve Mark would do. And he had us act as him. And as soon as we did that, it clicked, Yeah, you know? And so thankfully, I'm like, now I'm able to do, uh, I feel more comfortable with comedy. You know, that's why I say loosely with drama because I, I enjoy that side now too because yeah. I know how to hit it and everything now. Mm -hmm. um, but drama might be for sure because I just love the message that some of them bring. And of course comedy too because like lighthearted, you know, you um, people need happiness and laughter is healthy, you know. Yeah. Um, but you can hit somebody where it hurts so, so that they can like actually look on their lives and see if they're doing the right thing or not like mm -hmm. that's that's what it's all about you know yeah. um when I did uh Mountaintop I was uh performed as uh, Dr. Martin Luther King mm -hmm. uh, and um like if I could do that for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah typecast me for that one <laughs> right off the bat you know yeah. Cause man, that dang show boy is a freak. <laughs> it is so awesome. Yeah. Um, I think her name is Katori Hall. She, uh, she, she really did a thing with it. And you just see this aspect that nobody would think of with Dr. King. You know. Yeah. You always saw him smiling or just in a you know um, professional mode. Mm -hmm. But in this play, like you, you get to see. What if? Yeah. Let's let's see the real brother in the room kind of deal, you know? Yeah. Let's see Martin behind closed doors. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> the way she writes it, the way she brings in Kamei, uh, that's the it's a two act play. Uh, I'm sorry, not two act. It's a two person play rather. Mm -hmm. And um, how she wrote it, it's it's just beautiful, man. Like. His, his speech at the end, everything, him saying, because I mean, oh, the lines aren't quotes, mm -hmm. but it's just what he, what it, it is his points and what he um, has uh, talked about um, and what his views are for sure. And, um, but like his speech at the end, man, 
golly. It it wrecked me. Yeah. You know. Um doing that was just like this is my cornerstone right here. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I love making people laugh, but I love to teach at the same time while being taught. And that's one of those things that will teach you while you're preaching as well. Not really preaching on uh, condemning-wise, mm-hmm. but just opening up somebody's mind, you know? Yeah. Um, that one, and when I was co-house uh, in Ragtime, that dang musical there is is a good one, too. Like, <laughs> the music, the story, the plot, everything. Like, it's beautiful. Um, did you get this... You have like three different families. You have the uh, immigrants, you have the blacks in Harlem, and you have uh, the white aristocrats. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of uh, intermingle, and some stuff happens. And then, like, <clears throat> the black musician Cole House was kind of wrong. And, you know, like how you see in today's world, once somebody's wrong, so to speak, it tends to be a riot right after. Yeah. You know, sadly. Uh, and so he kind of did that. And um, there was like one instant where, towards the end, uh, where he's basically saying, you know, uh, one of the songs that I love singing is Make Them Hear You. Mm-hmm. And um, during his rebellion he had uh, a white male help him with it mm-hmm. and um, what he was trying to say was that it's not because it's not only because I'm black it's because of the injustice that happened this is why I'm angry yeah and and he's telling like yes he had uh, most of them were black, but that he was telling the white men as well, like, your sword can be the power of the pen, you know? Mm-hmm. Rather than taking up arms, just think of something better, so to speak. Yeah. You know? Because um, he, he, like, he realized what he did was wrong, you know? But his feelings were valid. Mm-hmm. And being that kind of um, example means the world to today's world now, definitely. Yeah. You know, because I think that's where a lot of people get confused with because some of the situations, their intentions may, may be wrong, but how they felt was valid. Yeah. And that, that validation is where the misunderstanding and the frustration comes from, you know? And it's like, it comes, goes back to that listening. You know, if you're not tr- willing to listen to that validation, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. You yeah. know, like, it doesn't give them the right to do it, but hey, <laughs> you open the door, so hey, there you go. Kind yeah. of deal, you know, because people aren't perfect. You know, I'm not perfect. Even though, uh, you know, I'm a uh, struggling Christian, I'm mm-hmm. not perfect. But you can't expect people to be uh to feel a certain way for so long and just pretend and make them to enforce them to 
feel a certain way about things, to act a certain way about things, you know, and not to speak speak their mind, yeah. you know. But uh, and dramas have a great way of doing that, and that's why I think dramas for sure. Mm. I'm a um, dang it. Wish we had more time. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna say this, and then I ask you this last question. Yeah. Going along with that, that's why I'm starting to sympathize more with the villains. Because mm-hmm. you're we're trained to say, oh, this is the bad guy. Yeah. But if you actually pay attention and listen to why they did what they did, you're like, dang. That, like you said, they, what they feel is valid. Because I felt that. Mm-hmm. Um, one person that... One, I forgot his name, man. But it was the Man of Steel. It was um, uh, General Zod. Yeah, there it is. I was like, bro, I feel you. <laughs> I understand why you're doing what you're mm-hmm. doing. And I was like, I perfect. That's, I, I get it. I get it. And so many people are quick to say Superman's obviously doing the right thing. Right. But uh, General Zod is, is fighting to maintain his legacy. Not just his legacy, but the legacy of planet Krypton. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, this is, this is home. And I'm trying to um, recreate this yeah. because it's, it is, it's imploding. And what would I have left? So I want to uh, keep this going. I want to maintain it. Mm-hmm. And after, despite everything he's done, I'm like, man, I, I perfectly understand. My my sisters actually um, bought me a uh, maybe a ten inch scale of General Zod, mm-hmm. and they thought I wouldn't like it because mm-hmm. it was it was Christmas gift. Yeah. And they were like, we hoped you like. I said, no, like because of how I felt about him after watching that movie. Yeah. And the difference between that and the adaptation with Christopher Reeves, mm-hmm. the way General Zod was presented, he came off as a jerk. Yeah. Like that's but the the actor mm-hmm. and the same role, but if when you see somebody do it differently, you like, oh I feel you. Yes. That's the exact Yes. I felt that same way about what's that uh, Paris and Troy. Have you seen the movie? Troy? Yeah. I want to, I, no, oh, I haven't. Man. The only part okay. that I, the reason why I want to see it mm-hmm. is because um, they, had, they have a list of famous, like, bad, not bad, but bad in a good way, mm-hmm. bad action scenes. Yeah. And one of them is when he fights that giant guy and yeah. sticks him in the, the shoulder. It's I'm like, yo, because of that, I want to see this movie. Yeah. But, no, no, uh, I'm saying. But you get the same feel with uh, him in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then they have a series on Netflix called uh, Troy the... Uh, something something whatever yeah but it's different like it's it's around him it's based on him and his story now mm-hmm. and you'd be like okay <laughs> I, I can back your actions on that it's still kind of stupid but <laughs> i mean not really at the same point yeah i'm kind of conflicted on myself you know uh so yeah it's it's awesome yeah but um but i'm actually this this last question yeah. um considering your life um, from as far as you can remember to right now, what mm-hmm. would you say is the glory in your story? Um, hmm. God keeping me hum- uh, honest and humble. Yeah. And the struggle that I have either like within myself or just with interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, because it keeps me honest but at the same time it keeps me afraid because I don't know how the other person is going to react yeah you know? like I'm I'm willing to be that uh, 
Need to Breathe has like one of my favorite songs, uh, Brother. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but mm-hmm. it's just saying, I'm here for you, brother, kind of deal. Yeah. Whenever you're struggling, I'm here for you, kind of deal. And like life is hard in any form or fashion. And um, having the life that I've had, and it's like by no means the worst, but he has helped me realize that love conquers all kind of deal yeah and that's why I love being in the theater because you have you kind of have to show that to be able to express that to people yeah you know um and I mean he is my glory <laughs> I give all the glory to him kind of deal um because he has set me up with certain kind of people certain situations that have taught me a lot and um, it's just kind of being organic being authentic yeah. you know um, my boy Mike Sard said uh, it's just make, making sure you're true to who you are kind of deal yeah. and he has definitely helped me with that um so yeah, that, I guess that would be the glory of my story. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, appreciate you, bro. Um, yeah, thank you for your time again, yeah. man. Um, you're the first actor that I interviewed, hey, and I, <laughs> I always wanted to dissect one of you all's brains, see mm-hmm. how you you function here in the real world and on stage, and how you integrate that in your life, mm-hmm. and how you in, uh, interact with people, and how you make decisions. And you, you hit the one, you said the one thing that really determined, um, summed all of that up is knowing who you are. And that's, that's the biggest, um, that's the biggest accomplishment. Yeah. And coming into your own as you get older, you say, yo, this is who I am. And you wouldn't change it. And a lot of people look back and say, I wish I could change But if you had changed that, you wouldn't be who you are now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, but if, Thank you again. Thank you, bro. Really appreciate it. Um, For those of you who are listening, this is episode 42 of The Glory in Our Stories. I just got through interviewing the awesome William Wade. (laughs) Appreciate it. No problem.